There's blood in the water, Marin said. He was sitting with a hunchback, dangling his fishing pole over the side of the rowboat. What? Juno said. He sat straight up. The swamp shone copper. You think a gator killed something? The blood tinged the moon's reflection orange. It moved with little ripples. Probably, Marin said. He spat over the side of the boat. Don't spit in it. Last thing we want is you calling them over. Marin pulled himself up so his back flattened out and cracked like dead twigs underfoot. He dipped a hand in the water. What are you doing? Juno said. You trying to get them to eat us? Hush, Marin said. He brought his cupped hand out of the swamp, dark droplets running through his fingers. Some of it stuck to his hand like thin slime. We have to go. What's happening? I don't know, but something like this happened in those stories Nana used to tell. The swamp, which was usually teeming with buzzing, humming, chirping life, was silent. I don't remember any stories. You don't? Well, I guess you was little. There was one where the water got like jelly, and the people in the story, they didn't make it. What happened to them? I don't remember that part. Juno gulped. Rowan sounds like the best plan to me. They reeled in the poles and took up their oars. Each plunged their oar down, then pulled it back, sending the boat drifting along the water which got denser as they went. Soon it had a skin to it like golden milk. Juno tried to row, but his oar just dragged the skin down, not quite cutting through. Red water bubbled out like from a fresh wound. What the hell is this? he said. Don't think about it too much. Keep rowing. Keep rowing? You see this? Juno kept hitting the water until his oar broke through. It's only going to get worse. Keep rowing, Juno. Juno kept rowing. He tried to ignore the bubbling and the way his oar steamed in the cold air when he brought it back up. It got to the point that both men had to punch their oars through the surface. It felt like spearing a fish. They'd send their oars down, then pull against the skin which seemed deeper every time dragging themselves along. Juno wiped the sweat off his brow. Behind him, Marin was breathing hard. Juno stabbed the water. His oar broke through. He pulled it back, and it snapped. The handle came out without a paddle attached. Damn it, Juno said. He threw it and it skidded across the water's surface, almost bouncing. What'd you do that for? said Marin, panting. Juno turned to him. You can't keep doing this. I don't know how much longer this goes on, but it's too much. We have to keep doing this. Marin plunged his oar back into the water. It took a few hits before it punctured the skin. He grunted as he pulled. Neither of them could tell if they'd actually moved. Juno watched the water surface. The moon shone on it like a flame, red and full. The moon in the sky was a pale yellow and covered with craters. The red moon was so perfect. Too perfect. Clouds came in and covered the moon so they were left in near total darkness. The red moon kept glowing. Hey, Marin, look at this, Juno said. See the moon down there? Shouldn't it be gone? Marin, keeping low, walked to the front of the boat. It hardly shifted. Huh, 
he said. You know what it means? Marin sat back down on his side of the boat. I got a clue. He took up his oar in both hands. Is it what's going to get us? Nah, said Marin. He stabbed at the water's skin with his oar. It didn't break. It'll help us. He stabbed again and a small chunk of red jelly fell off to the side. You don't remember any of the stories Nana told? He turned his oar so that the handle was pointing towards the water and pushed it through the surface. I don't. Pulling the oar from the water was like pulling the sword from the stone. The skin clung to it, rising up as it slid out and broke free, leaving a hole. He pushed his hand into it and dark water seeped out. You remember her cookies? Kinda. Didn't they taste like cinnamon? Yeah. Anna sure loved her cinnamon. <laughs> Think about that cinnamon. The way it tasted and smelled on those fresh-baked cookies. An image of a white red checker tablecloth flickered in Juno's mind. He was in a room he couldn't describe because the windows were wide open and the sunlight was blinding. There was someone standing there, and he might have been an angel. A single, brown cookie peppered with chocolate chips lay on the table. He could only taste his own bitter saliva. He shook his head. Well, that's all right, Marin said. As long as one of us remembers. He cupped some of the water in his hand and swished it around. The moon's reflection lay ahead of Juno, but he saw it appear in Marin's palm for all of a moment. Marin threw his head back and drank it like a shot. Juno covered his mouth. Oh, Lord, that's nasty. Marin put a hand on his stomach and doubled over, taking big breaths through his nose. Are you okay? Juno said. Marin pulled himself straight up, but his eyes and mouth and fists were closed tight. Marin? Juno backed away a little. Marin began to tremble like he had a fever. His mouth opened and red light trickled out, painting the air between them bright red. Veins popped out of his neck. His eyes opened and shot out beams of light so bright that Juno had to close his eyes. A muffled scream escaped Marin's throat and a glowing red ball fell out of his mouth and landed in the middle of the boat like a bowling ball landing in the alley. He collapsed in his seat. Juno looked at the glowing ball, then at Marin, then back at it. It began to hop. Don't let it get away, Marin said. His voice was hoarse. What? The ball jumped a little higher. You want me to touch that? Marin dragged himself off the seat and tried to collapse on the ball, but it leapt up in the air, aiming towards the water. Get it! shouted Marin. Juno tried not to think about where the ball had been. It wasn't working. He shut his eyes and reached out and caught it, half hoping he wouldn't. It was as wet and hot as he prayed it wouldn't be. It lashed around, driving his hand away from the boat so he almost lost his balance, but Marin grabbed his shirt and pulled him back to the boat. Marin held up one of their empty fishing sacks. In here, he said. Juno threw it in and Marin closed it tight. The ball darted around so that the sack lashed out and ran in directions. Marin held it shut. All right, Juno said, in between deep breaths. What was that? Fake moon. Marin said, like he was telling Juno the date. You really don't remember any of the stories? No, I don't, Juno said. 
Marin cleared his throat. <clears throat> it's good I do, because they're coming in handy. Just tell me what a fake moon is. The ball threw itself against the canvas wall, then fell dully to the floor. It's this little thing that hides in the water, pretending it's the moon. You can ask it for help. That thing is going to help us? A dim red light emanated from the sack, slipping out of the canvas seams. Marin held it up. Yep, and if it don't, we're in trouble. A chill crawled up Juno's spine. Goose pimples budded on his arms. The fog was rolling in. It moved past the spiring trees like a whisper, rolling over the water like a ghost. It didn't look as much like fog as death. Dark as smoke, it would reach forward in waves, pulling itself along, coming closer and closer. What in God's name is that? Juno said. Just like the story, black fog rolling in. That's it. There was black fog, and it was his fog. Don't scare me like that, Marin. Look like you've seen a ghost. His fog? His. I can't remember his name, darn it, but... She said he wanted that which he does not have. What doesn't he have? Marin stared into the fog. Was Nana a fortune teller? Juno said. How'd she know all this would happen? I don't think we're the first ones this has happened to. Look, Juno, it ain't safe out here. You gotta go. Well, sure. Let me just hop on board my little speedboat here. This is serious. Well, what do you expect me to do? You've gotta get in this sack. I'll close it up real tight so it'll be safe. And while you're in there, you can talk to the fake moon. She'll keep you safe. You want me to climb into it? I'm telling you to get inside this sack. Look, I know you don't remember, but this is important. I'm... Okay, but no, I'm not leaving you behind. I'll be fine, Juno. It's you who I'm afraid for. Marin, my head is spinning. If it's dangerous out here, why can't we just both go? Because it don't close from the inside. Marin looked behind him. The fog was feet away. Inches. I'm sorry, Juno. Marin raised up the sack and pulled it down over Juno's head. It swallowed him whole. Juno had just been standing up, but now he was lying on his belly, like he'd fallen over without realizing it. He heard the sack getting tied behind him. Damn it, Marin! You let me out of here! He tried to kick, but there may as well have been a solid wall behind him. Is what it feels like being a fish, he said. It was pitch black one moment, and the next there was a little red light like at the end of a tunnel. Mrs. Fake Moon, Juno said. His voice echoed. Is that you over there? I'm sorry about what my brother did, swallowing you and all. The light pulsed. He muttered something, sighed, and started crawling forward. It was so dark around him he couldn't see his hands as they pressed against the canvas floor. It felt like the bag was wrapped in something as soft and malleable as putty, so that whenever Juno put weight onto his hands, they sunk down a little and made a squishing sound. The air was stagnant. He was crawling into his own breath and could smell the eggs he'd had for breakfast. Beads of sweat collected on his forehead. 
He didn't think it was possible for anything to be more humid than the swamp that he'd founded. The red light wasn't any closer. Everything was so tight around him. If he could just stretch out his stiff shoulders or his aching back, he tried to stand up against the tunnel and the top moved a little, but it was like trying to row a boat in a frozen lake. He grit his teeth and kept pushing. Stop! A high-pitched voice came from the light. Juno stopped struggling. He let the walls return to their original shape and bent back to his knees to accommodate them. You know I could make you crawl in here forever. I didn't, Juno said. You've already been crawling for a thousand years. A thousand years? It's only been a few seconds outside. Things work how I want them to in here. After all, this is my home now that you trapped me in it. I'm sorry about that. It's just we needed your help. Most people say please when they want my help. <sighs> Come forward. I'll see you now. Juno crawled forward and for the first time it felt like the light was getting brighter. Soon it was so bright he had to close his eyes. His hands kept making that squishing sound on the canvas he'd heard some thousand times before, until finally, his hand didn't hit the floor. It didn't hit anything. Juno fell face first onto slimy ground and rolled over a few times. He slid as it flattened, splayed out on his back. Great landing, she said. He lay in a room with red, slimy walls that rose up like a dome. In the room center, there was a white bed. On it, the only source of light. A girl who glowed red. Skin, hair, eyes, everything about her was crimson. Her legs dangled off the bed and crossed like a ribbon. Are you the fake moon? Asked Juno. Fake moon? Is that what you're calling me? No, I'm not a fake anything. She pushed herself off the bed and walked up to him. She was half his height scowling. You could have just asked me for my help, you know, instead of eating me like that. She shuddered. Marin said that was how we had to do it, like in the stories. Do you think this is a story? I don't know. It might be, if you live long enough to tell it. <laughs> but I'm real, as real as you. She poked him hard in the gut and he flinched back. Tell your brother he shouldn't go around eating sprites. You're a sprite? Like in the stories? Juno couldn't remember any stories with sprites in them, but he knew that's where they belonged. Yes, but we don't just exist in stories, as you can see. She motioned across her whole body. No, you sure are real. I'm Juno, by the way. You shouldn't give away your name that easily. Haven't you heard the stories? No, I haven't. Be careful with it. I'm not going to give you mine. She walked back to the bed and threw herself on top of it, making snow angels on the sheets. So, you said you needed my help. Is it dealing with the demon out there? Demon? Did you think an angel was making the swamp turn to blood? Look, that's why I'm here. My brother is out there and we need your help. How come your brother is out there and you're in here? He trapped me in here, said it was dangerous. He's right. Nothing worse than demons, especially this one. He was here before the stars and the sky, before the very moon. He has no name. Well, you're magic, 
Can't you cast a spell or sprinkle some dust or something? Sure I can. How's this? She brought up her hand to her lips and a little pile of dust sat on it. She blew it across the room and into Juno's face. He coughed and waved it away while she laughed. All you humans think it's so easy. It's not. That demon is like a storm. Best to wait it out. Juno rubbed his eyes. Well, I can't wait it out. My brother is out there. He's out there so you can be in here. Don't you get it? Your brother didn't trap you in here. He's keeping you safe in here. I didn't want him to get... hurt. But if you go out there, you'll just get hurt too. Why do you care if I get hurt? She kept her lips tight. Marin sacrificed himself for me. What kind of brother would I be if I didn't do the same? It was a foolish thing to do, trying to talk you out of it. I can open the path for you, but it can't be closed. Thank you. I don't want to go out there any more than you, but I gotta. I know, Juno. I know. She raised one hand, closed into a fist, and opened it. A wind drew Juno back, sending him flying away from her and back the way he came. It felt like he was falling sideways. He rolled around as he shot through the tunnel, and the red light he'd moved towards for so long grew fainter and fainter. Then he stopped moving. He was lying down in a sack. He stood up and pulled it off him, but he couldn't see. Marin? he said. The air was freezing. Marin? he shouted. Shh! Keep it down, said the sprite. A red glow appeared in the dark then grew until it became the crimson girl who flowed at Juno's eye level. He could see his breath turn to mist in her light. We don't want this demon finding us before we find him, she said. You'll help? Only with great reluctance, but yes. He's in... Hmm, that way. She pointed straight ahead, even though every direction looked as black and as red as every other. Juno placed his foot off the boat to test if the ground was solid. It was soft and caved slightly under his foot but held his weight. He stepped off and felt light on the water skin, bouncing with each step he took. The black trees loomed out of the darkness. He'd be running along and almost smack into one as it came to the harsh red light of the sprite. She floated just in front of him. There was something about her, but feeling when you recognize someone but can't place them. So he stared at her until he almost ran into a tree and remembered why he was running. Marin was in trouble. Are we close? he asked. Yes, but no. What do you mean? Well, she stopped. We're right on top of him. Juno looked straight down at the water skin. You mean... His heart's still beating, she said. Juno began clawing at the surface, trying to peel it away. Wait, wait, she floated down until she tiptoed on the water. The demon is down there, too. I had a feeling. He's old. Older than me. How old are you? She slapped his face. It's rude to ask a lady her age. Didn't your nana teach you better? Juno rubbed his cheek. No, she died before I was old enough. Oh, poor Juno. You've forgotten a lot, haven't you? They're just stories. There's so much more than that. Don't you remember that little kitchen with the old rickety table that would lean from side to side, 
And the way Nana would sit him on her lap and ask which story he liked best, because that was the one she'd tell. And he'd ask about the one with the rabbit, or the tortoise, or the sprites, or the nameless what the memory was cut off. He didn't remember any of the stories. Those, he was sure, were gone. How'd you know my Nana used to set me down on her lap? Try to remember, Juno. Really do try. Juno felt himself descending. His feet were already in the skin and going deeper. The sprite was floating away from him. I don't understand all this, but thank you. Remember, Juno. Remember. One last smile before she floated so high her light disappeared. He was left in the dark. The water skin might have been crawling up around him, but he could feel the sinking in his stomach. Warm. Easy to close his eyes and get swallowed up. It felt like he was floating and sinking at the same time. Juno was oozing through the water, which might have been fresh jam smeared on hot toast. He moved arms that were suspended, flexed toes that hung limp, and opened eyes that could not see. A voice said, Hello. He didn't hear the word, but felt it hum and reverberate through the water like lightning. Hello, he said without moving his lips. Tell me. Would you like to hear a story? He hadn't realized it, but his eyes were shut tight. He let them flutter open. He was sitting at a kitchen table with a white-red checker tablecloth on it. There were shelves on the walls, stacked with mason jars that held jams and herbs. The window was open, so the white curtains flew inward with a warm breeze. A big ray of sunshine fell on Juno. Hello, child. How are you doing? His nana was standing over him. Her skin was tanned and wrinkled, and her hair was white as a cotton ball. She wore a floral print gown that reached her ankles. He'd forgotten just how much he'd loved her. I'm good, nana, Juno said. His voice was just like when he'd been a child, but he had always been a child. His adolescence faded away as he became a little boy sitting at his nana's table. Say, you haven't seen your brother around, have you? Juno shook his head and kicked his feet under the table. I guess I'll have to miss out on the fresh cookies. Cookies! He loved her cookies. The way they always tasted of put extra cinnamon on them. Just for you. She walked to the oven and opened it up. A burst of heat came out and an orange light lit up her face. What big eyes she had. She reached in and took out a tray, not wearing an oven mitt, and set it down on the table in front of Juno. Twelve cookies, each more perfect than the last. The smell of cinnamon. Go on, try one while they're still hot. He picked one up and passed it from hand to hand as it stinged his fingers. He took a bite. It felt like sand exploded in the back of his throat. Coughed up a mouthful of cinnamon, sending orange plumes out into the air. I must have put too much cinnamon in it, she said. Here, drink this. She handed him a glass of water and he drank it. He cleared the dust from his throat as the coughing died down. I'm sorry about that, she said. I tried my own recipe and it just didn't work out. His eyes were watering. How about this? To make it up to you, I'll tell you a story. Juno nodded. 
he sipped the water. In the sunlight, for just a moment, it was red. They went into the living room. A fire crackled and cast the room in an orange light, causing the shadows to twist and dance as it grew and shrank away. His nana led him by the hand. The room had light yellow wallpaper and framed pictures of him and Marin. There they were as kids, playing in the river. Then they were teenagers getting ready for a school dance. There was the time Marin caught a 16-pound bass, and there Juno was, clapping him on the back. That picture had made the paper. The fire popped, and for a second his nana's shadow was huge and twisted, with eyes on her shoulders and rows of teeth bursting from her mouth and fingernails like ice picks. When he looked at her, she was smiling back at him. Her shadow looked like a little old lady. The walls were barren. Come here, his nana said. She was sitting in her old squeaky rocking chair. She picked him up and set him on her knee. So, what story would you like to hear? I don't remember them, he said. No, but you always love my stories. Okay, then I'll tell you the one about Liar Rabbit. There was once a rabbit called Liar Rabbit because all he could do was lie. But the fox could see through him, so he set a trap for him. He scraped tar out of a barrel and shaped it like a baby. He put the baby in the road where he knew Liar Rabbit would be coming. And when old Liar Rabbit found the baby, he started lying to it. Every lie you could tell. White lies, red lies, the sorts of lies that didn't make sense to tell, but he told them anyway, and because the tar baby couldn't say anything back, he kept telling those lies. The fox had told everyone to wait right around that tar baby, so every animal in the forest was there, listening to those lies, and they knew them for what they were. They jumped Liar Rabbit and tied him up. He told them those things he'd said weren't true, but they knew just what he was. They dripped hot tar over him. That's not how the story goes, Juno said. She grimaced. I wasn't done telling it. But that's not the story. In the story, the rabbit gets out because he was thrown in the briar patch. But then the fox wouldn't beat him, and the hero always has to win in the story. Silly boy, you don't know what you're saying, do you? I'm not a boy. My name is... Her smile grew three times. It ran around the side of her face, and the teeth were sharp and yellow. It went back to a normal mouth in a flash. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. What were you saying? Nothing, said Juno. No, no, you were about to say your name. You should never leave a sentence unfinished. That's what that liar rabbit would want you to do. I have to go potty. Her hand was like a talon clenched on his wrist. You can go, but first... She brought her face right next to his. Say your name, boy. Her eyes weren't brown, but a deep red. He remembered this room, and Briar Rabbit, and his Nana who was nothing like the woman whose lap he sat on. Her hand cut into his wrist. Merit? That's your brother's name. He already told me. She threw him off her lap. Are you like Liar Rabbit? Do you need to get tarred so you learn not to lie? She loomed over him. Then her voice turned to honey and flowers. I'm sorry, child. She dropped to her knees and pulled him to her bosom. I didn't mean to yell. I just hate it when people lie to me. You don't like liars, right? 
He stared into her big brown eyes. And you shouldn't like yourself, he said. Excuse me? You're not my nana. My nana was nice and you're mean. Her skin turned colder as he spoke. And you don't know about the stories like my nana did. The stories were coming back in fragments. The ones about the fairies, the kings and their castles, the angels and the demons. Stories passed down through generations, whittled by each teller so what parts were him or her or a thousand others you could never tell. That's what made them all so real. He looked up at her with triumph, like he'd just ousted a school bully. That's when she kicked him. He flew across the room and smacked across a wall, landing in a heap. So what if I don't know those stories? They're stupid relics, things only hags and children believe. You've been bad, boy. Now you're going to have to take your lumps, just like your brother. His brother. Her footsteps were nearing. There was one story his Nana never told him, that no one ever told. The story of his life, how he'd grown from a boy to a man. This thing was trying to take it from him, rob him of the merry memories on which he was built, the laughter and the sorrow and most of all, the love. The love that came from his Nana and his brother and couldn't be replicated by anything in the world. Juno stood up, not as a boy, but a man. He was taller than the thing that wore his Nana's face like a bad Halloween mask. You think you're big, but you're still just a boy, it said. It wasn't his Nana's voice anymore. It was shrill and cold, something caught between a scream and a whisper. Her Nana tried to keep me away, but it didn't work. I waited for her to die so I could have your brother, and soon I'll have you. No, you won't. That old hag can't protect you, and neither can your fairy friend. <laughs> You're all mine. He charged at Juno. Juno stood in his spot. There were pictures on the wall again. All the ones of him and Marin, and one he didn't see before. Four years old, sitting on his Nana's lap. Another one! Another one! He'd said. You want another story? His Nana had said back. Please! Well, okay, but it'll have to be a scary story. Juno giggled and bared his face into her. You're a big boy now, Juno. I think you're big enough to handle a scary story. And this one is important to remember. You mustn't forget it, okay? Okay. Promise? Promise. Okay, Juno. Here goes. And he hadn't forgotten it. It was buried somewhere in his brain waiting for the right moment to come out. The blood, the fog, even this. It had all been laid out for him like a red carpet. He was almost at its end, the memory fading as his nana. His real Nana faded before him. One last thing, Juno, she'd said. What, Nana? He'd said. His name. She whispered it into his ear. The name belonged to nothing. Then his Nana was charging at him, and she was all teeth and hellfire, and Juno opened his lips and said a name that was soundless. The demon fell to his knees and wailed in pain. How do you know my name? Because I remember the stories. 
He screamed again, his eyes rolled about in his head. You've taken too much from me, from everyone, said Juno. She was the one person who had power over you, and she passed that power on to me. The demon's skin molted off in great waves, and its looms twisted and bent as it shrank down. He might have laughed, and so too might he have screamed. Power? What power do you have? I've existed long before that crone, and will long after you. I will be the only thing left when the stars are plucked from the sky. I am immortal. True. I will die one day. But I promise the stories will not. The house around them trembled so pieces of wood and plaster fell off the ceiling. Juno took a good look around. So many memories were made here. So many stories told. This would be the last one. I banish you! And Juno spoke its name one last time, and it melted, sizzled, and screamed until all that was left was a puddle that might have been spilt soup. The jars of jam fell and shattered in the kitchen. Soot fell down the fireplace and extinguished the flame. The rocking chair rocked back and forth, just like it had when his nana had sat in it. He could see her smiling at him. A rafter fell and hit Juno on the head, and everything went dark. He opened his eyes. Still darkness, but it was cold and he was floating and couldn't breathe and Marin. Where was Marin? He remembered one last name from an old story, one of his Nana's favorites. He used the last of his air to say it. It was soundless in the water, a bubble which rose out of sight. It must have popped. The sprite appeared. Her red light lit up the water, allowing him to see the murky base of the swamp with Marin on its bottom. He grabbed Marin and they rose to the surface, Juno gasping for air. They were right next to the rowboat. Juno pulled himself up, then dragged Marin on, almost capsizing. Marin was still, his skin clammy. The sprite flowed above Juno. Marin, Juno said. Come on, Marin. Breathe for me. Put his hands on his chest and started pumping. Come on, Marin. He blew air into his mouth. He pumped his hands over and over. Please, Marin. You're good. I know you're good. He blew into Marin's mouth and pulled back, and Marin started coughing up water. Juno didn't have words. He just hugged his brother. The sprite was smiling. Thank you, Juno said. You were the one who knew how to call me. Did you know my Nana? You could say we were friends. You were the sprite in all her stories. Not everything needs to be remembered. Promises can be so bothersome, but I'm glad I kept mine. Watch after him, Juno. Hello? Marin said. Marin! Juno hugged him. I thought, I'm just happy you're okay. Who are you? Huh? Who are you? Where am I? Feels like I was drowning a moment ago. It's Juno, Marin. I'm Juno. Juno? Your brother! What's happening? Juno said to the sprite. Marin told him his name, she said. But I stopped him. Something taken cannot be returned. How do I bring his memories back? How do I make him remember? Silly Juno. You already know the answer to that. She dropped down into the water and below the surface she was the red reflection of the moon. The reflection turned white.
What was that? Marin said. It was... It was... <sighs> I'll tell you a story about it. The fireplace was roaring. It cracked and heat hummed out of it. Juno sat down in a rocking chair with a blanket on his lap. Hey, Juno! said Marin. He ran up to him with a picture. Marin was holding up a 16-pound bass, and Juno was clapping him on the back. What about this one? That picture? Why, that picture made the paper. Sit down. I'll tell you all about it.